in the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Well, he has trouble with the spin. And the ball is funny. It's picked up by Michigan State. Jalen Watts Jackson. And he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG bringing your own guts. And they brought some guts. Is now in. Wednesday it is. Wild Wednesday. Jam-packed show Wednesday. How about that for you? A great guest list on tap today, once again. As we're hitting the NBA playoffs, the NFL draft, and a whole lot more coming your way today. And NFL, right around the corner, huh? We've got the NFL draft coming your way tomorrow from Kansas City. From a train station. What is up with this? I mean, we're having some really strange locations for this stuff, but it is what it is, as they say. What it is, what it shall be. All right, glad to have you with us, T.C. Martin. Nubchuck on the other side of the glass, making it all happen. We'll see if he can stay undefeated today with pressing all the right buttons all the time. Ooh, you little fade there. I see where you're going. Oh, we're going a little choo-choo. I used to jam to this back in the day. I can do this. All right, let me tell you what we got going on today. All right, we're going to go to Sacktown today, baby. I do kind of wish I was there, you know, back again for game number five, but that's okay. I'll enjoy watching it from my cozy confines. Gary Gerald, the longtime voice of the Sacramento Kings, and uh, Kings fans or just general basketball fans, you know Gary Gerald. He has been doing this for 30 Eight years. He's going to join us today and we'll talk about De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox says he is going to play. He says there is no ifs, ands, and buts about it. I'm playing two days ago. He said he was doubtful, but uh, he's going to go. And that Sacramento Kings train, they are revved up. They're already partying in front of Golden One Center right now. And Gary Gerald will join us. We'll talk about his fabulous career. It's definitely one of the best, uh, the longest-running uh, NBA play-by-play voice. Really the longest-running, I, I believe, of any of the major sports. And uh, Gary, a, a great guy, great friend, and has been doing it since the Kings relocated from Kansas City going back to 1985. And uh, he's been the legendary voice of the Kings. So that'll be fun, uh, talking to him. From the NFL side, Paul Gutierrez is going to join us uh, from ESPN. He is the Raiders insider. Always like talking to Paul as we look at what the Raiders are going to do with the draft, coming up with the number seven pick overall tomorrow. All right, so a little bit more than uh, 24 hours away uh, from that. So we'll talk to Paul Gutierrez regarding that. And then also, uh, in the same vein, on the NFL side, but also the NBA playoff side, too, uh, Arash McCarthy is going to join us coming up this hour. Arash, uh, always great, uh, formerly of the LA Times and ESPN. Uh, he is now the founder of the Sporting Tribune, his publication there, and also... Uh, he does a fantastic job on the, as a host on the Mightier 1090 there in Southern California, uh, doing radio. So, uh, jam packed show coming your way with all of this. All right. But we start today talking about, uh, Aaron Rodgers and his introductory press conference today that happened in uh, the tall trees and this there in New Jersey. 
the uh, Jets facility, which is uh, very nice, uh, by the way. But then again, you got to play your home games in the Meadowlands. It's okay, but, you know, it's still New Jersey. But no, uh, I know I've got friends in New Jersey, uh, colleagues in New Jersey. Uh, there's night, great facilities. Both the Giants and the Jets have great uh, facilities there. All right. But Aaron Rodgers uh, has made his way to the East Coast and said all the right things today. He was on his best behavior. He was smiling. He was, for the most part, called every media member that asked him a question at the press conference today by their first name. Trying to be very cordial. Well, of course, because you know what this is right now? This is the honeymoon phase. The honeymoon phase. It's all good. Yes, he loves the Jets. The Jets love him. And so much is being made about, oh, the New York media. How's he going to be able to handle the New York media? Here's a guy from small town, Northern California, Chico. All right. And he goes to small town, Green Bay. And he's always handled the media fine. Uh, he's a pro. Guy's going to be 40 years old, 20 years in the league. He's going to be totally fine the way he's, he handles the media. But New York media and everyone else, be ready because he's downright nasty after losses. Been seeing this for nearly 20 seasons. So it'll be interesting. But right now, everything's happy. All right. Here's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and here is uh, the gist of what he had to say when he was introduced as the new Jets quarterback. It's a real day for me. After spending 18 years in the same city, there's been a lot of uh, introductions today, meeting a lot of people, but there's a lot of excitement. Uh, I'm here because I believe this. I believe in this team. I believe in Coach Sala. I believe in the direction uh, of Joe Douglas. Obviously, he's drafted really well the last couple of years, having an uh, offensive and defensive rookie of the year. Um, but big thanks to the Jets organization. Obviously, a big thanks to the Green Bay Pack organization for an incredible run. Uh, that chapter is over now, and I'm excited about the new adventure here in New York. A big reason I'm here, i got to mention, is Nathaniel Hackett, who's here. Uh, Hackett and I became really close friends for three years in, in Green Bay, and I love him like a brother, and I believe in him. You know, I'm an old, I'm an old guy, so I want to be part of a team that can win it all, and I believe that this is uh, a place we can get that done. I grew up watching old VHS tapes of, uh, of the Super Bowls, and so obviously I know about the guarantee and, and Broadway Joe. Been a while since then. I noticed uh, walking in this morning that that uh, Super Bowl three trophy is looking a little lonely. So <laughs> I'm not here to be a savior of any kind. I'm just here to be uh, the best quarterback I can be to lead authentically and to inspire the guys around me to raise their level of play to uh, to an even greater greater spot. All right, that's part of what Aaron Rodgers had to say today at his introductory press conference with the New York Jets. Like I said, said all the right things. Uh, there was one question, and, and I'll tell you this. Uh, kudos to the New York media today for firing some very good questions. They were professional. They were not negative in any way. Uh, they were not over, you know, welcoming and, you know, throwing softball questions. It was a very sound Press conference. And I love the way the Jets basically gave each reporter, okay, one question. And this thing lasted about 22 minutes and that was it. They got him in, got him out, and, and it was fine. But one of the interesting things was, as we know, we've been hearing that, okay, what went wrong? 
with Rodgers and the Packers. And I've talked a lot about this, okay, where the time just wore out. Okay, the Packers finally, after putting up with his nonsense for years, said, you know, enough is enough. Uh, if you're not sure you want to be here, then just, just say that. We've got Jordan Love. We don't know how good he could be, but he's ready to go, and we don't want to pay him for sitting on the bench for another year, a la exactly what happened with Aaron Rodgers and Ted Thompson when he opted to go with Aaron Rodgers because he selected him in the first round, just like the Packers did here with Jordan Love. Now, not comparing, of course, Rodgers to Love or Favre to Love, anything of that nature, but it was just time to move on. Again, the Brett Favre situation, totally different. Brett never wanted to leave. He was very adamant about that. They had to push him out the door, and Ted Thompson pushed him out the door. The Packers were very patient, very patient with Aaron Rodgers, but Rodgers wanted to march to the beat of his own drum. He wanted to, you know, basically punch in, punch out what he wanted to, and the communication was not great on either side. So one of the questions today was what happened with that relationship with the Packers and when did it go south and where was the communication at? So Aaron Rodgers has a very interesting explanation on why the communication was so bad during this offseason, which led to the Packers trading him to the Jets. I mean, I don't know if I need to really get into specifics. Um, I will say people that know me, uh, I'm fortunate to live in in a beautiful house. The only downside is I have very limited cell service. So if you want to get a hold of me, I have to see your face. You got to FaceTime me. Uh, so the only response to, to the communication thing is there's you know records in your phone about who called you, when, FaceTime, and there wasn't any specific FaceTimes from any of those numbers that I was looking at. Um, that's neither here nor there because we're now we're in this position. Um, obviously, that's somehow you know what. Uh, the direction they wanted to go as far as they couldn't, the story, they couldn't get a hold of me, which led for this to, to be the case. My point was, if if there was a change that wanted to be made, uh, why wasn't that told to me early in the offseason? Now, obviously, my future was on the side at that time. I didn't know if I wanted to keep playing. I wanted to go into my darkness retreat and, and sit with it and contemplate. Um, but when I came out, it was evident that uh, it was uh, retire or move on to a new team. Right here. All right, there is Aaron Rodgers uh, explaining that situation. How about that? Well, let's see. I got a beautiful home, and he's talking about his home in, in San Diego, in that area, and saying that, you know, but the cell service really isn't very good. Hmm. So they said they tried to call. But I really didn't notice it. And I went back to my phone records to see if they did try to call. And so basically what he said was, you need FaceTime. You got to FaceTime me because FaceTime works. Okay. I know a little bit about spotty self-service and everything, but I believe that you can receive texts and texts will come across only FaceTime instead of just a, a regular phone call. Are you kidding me? What kind of lame excuse is that? All right. Why doesn't both sides just go pony up and say, okay, you know, didn't call him, didn't want to, this and that. Or how about this? There's a thing called email. You know, I, I don't think email has anything to do with your cell service. 
what the heck? <laughs> this is what we're dealing with, with Aaron Rodgers. Talking about sp- doesn't have good cell service. And, you know, if you want to contact him, you got to go FaceTime. Isn't FaceTime runoff of cell service? So I believe so. Because I know I when I don't have service, I can't FaceTime. Yeah. So, but here you go. Why are you putting that out there in your introductory press conference again in front of your New York media? <laughs> I mean, you could really have a field day with that, and that could that soundbite could come back down the road big time, especially if the Jets start off. One and four, three and six, you know, something along those lines. When the Jets are struggling to get in the playoffs and and what are Packer fans and what are the Packers brass going to say? It's like, well, maybe we made the right move. But then again, on the flip side, if Jordan Love doesn't become anything special, then the Packers could say, well, could we have put up with Aaron Rodgers for maybe one more season? Now, the Packers are done. Can't blame them. I know that sounds strange for a lot of people. It's like a perennial MVP. The guy was just the MVP last year. Did win a Super Bowl. But, you know, from their standpoint, you only won one Super Bowl. Not multiple like we thought. I mean, you couldn't even really get to get to multiple Super Bowls. Couldn't get there. Barely got to NFC Championship games. Had so many disappointing seasons. Now, is it all on Aaron Rodgers? No. But you don't need to be playing these games. The guy doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be there. And it took the Packers maybe a year too long to come to this realization that, okay, we're going to move on. But, again, they wanted to try to milk Aaron Rodgers for as much as they could. And I think after last season they said, you know, he is a step slower, probably doesn't have that exact same arm strength. So we'll just go ahead and, and, uh, you know, we'll hang with him for one more year. And after watching it this year, it's like, okay, it's time to move on. Nobody knows what Jordan Love will do. All right. The only thing we could judge Jordan Love, and this is what I judge him off of, what I saw with him at Utah State, but man, that was four or five years ago, you know? So we, you don't really know, you know, what, he has. We've seen him in some preseason games. We've seen him in, you know, fill-in duty for Rodgers, very minimal, some mop-up duty, but you really don't know. I will tell you this, the Packers, though, have always been a, a team that's, they have a great system, and they've always had a, a very good offensive system, and they've been able to plug and play certain guys into that, and guys that were street-free agents, especially at the wide receiver position, even running back position, and not really you know, high price guys or early, you know, first round guys at the running back position, but they've been able to plug people in to their system. And maybe, okay, maybe, I don't know. I've never been a Jordan Love guy, but at the end, I I thought he was mediocre at best when he was at Utah State. What is he going to bring to this team? You don't know. You can only hope, and this is what the Packers see, is like, he'll always look pretty good in practice. Okay, he knows the system, so now we've got to give him an opportunity to play because he's sat behind Rodgers for four years. Let's see what he has. So I think that's that. That's what the Packers are hoping for. All right, but as far as Aaron Rodgers goes, hey, honeymoon phase right now. Saying all the right things today at the press conference. Let's see what happens, and it makes sense. 
You know, we talked about it before. Nathaniel Hackett, he gets to be reunited with him. That's why he's there. Robert Sala likes, likes him. They have a little bit of rapport. Get it. And, uh, but his opening thing that he said today was, well, yeah, you know, why the Jets? Well, I don't know. They smoked us pretty good last year. I love that line. They smoked us pretty good. So we'll see how it plays out. But right now, Aaron Rodgers is saying all the right things. All right. Here's another guy who usually says all the right things. Uh, does a fantastic job. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's in print or on the radio. And he's a frequent visitor to Las Vegas. I still think he has a second home here in, in Vegas. And that's Arash Bakasi. Arash, what's going on, brother? Well, much. How are you? I'm good, man. First of all, it was great seeing you uh, at the Final Four. Uh, and and uh, so long time overdue to to having you back on the show here. But uh, I wanted to talk with you about some NBA playoffs, of course, all things L.A., including the Lakers. But uh, first and foremost, I want to see how you're doing, my friend. Doing well, yeah. Well, lots uh, lots going on. You know, as, as, you know, I think last time we talked about the Sporting Tribune, you know, the company I started, we're discovering sports in Southern California, Vegas, Hawaii. So we got the Kings, we got the Golden Knights, we got the Lakers, we did have the Clippers. So a lot happening. Yeah, exactly. Yes, the Sporting Tribune, check uh, Arash uh, out there as well. And again, formerly with the LA Times, ESPN, host of the Mighty Mightier 1090 as well, too. All right, let's talk about uh, we just got in talking about Aaron Rodgers and, and the Jets introductory press conference. I don't know how much of that or if any of you saw that to today, but, uh, what, what's your take on this, Arash? And, and what do you think about the fit? Well, you know what? It, it was interesting because it was very clear in hearing him that, that, that this was the only team he wanted to go to. It was either he was going to retire or he was going to get traded to the Jets. So, um, Amazing that the Packers got the trade package that they did just because, I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't much leverage there. So, um, you know, happy for the Jets. I mean, we, we kind of seen this play out before with Brett Favre. Um, so, you know, I mean, happy for him. I, I don't know really what to expect from that team. I, I don't think that it instantly makes them a Super Bowl a contending team. Wow. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, only time will tell with this thing. And, you know, is Rogers motivated? Yes. Seems like he, he's motivated. He's saying all the, all the right things right now. And, but there are some weapons there. But if the Jets don't uh, address the offensive line issues, then, you know, it could be a nightmare for Rogers, uh, especially, you know, uh, approaching the age of 40. I mean, it was interesting that that was a goal of his. I mean, he he mentioned that his, one of his goals was to play quarterback until he turned 40. He's turning 40 this season. So, um, you know, listen, it works for Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady is the outlier. I, I, I think a lot of teams out there who think they're going to get a 40-year-old quarterback and they're going to go to the Super Bowl in their first year, that that, that doesn't happen. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that, that all plays out. All right, uh, Lakers in Memphis. We turn our attention to the NBA playoffs. This has been a crazy series that has featured injuries, major trash talking, some real heated emotions here. Uh, what has stood out for you in this series through the first four games? Yeah, I mean, just really the play of LeBron James, but also the way that this team has come together. Again, you know, they, they make the trades that they did. They make the moves that they made. At the time of the trade deadline, this team was not a play-in tournament team. They were a below 500 team. They were, they, 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 they didn't look like a contender. And now, when you look around the league, it's not that just that they can maybe beat the Grizzlies. They're one win away from advancing to the semifinals. This, this team could maybe 
make a run here. I mean, I, I, I never thought I would say that after the two and ten start late in the season. By the way, I mean this team is a below five hundred team and one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, no, no doubt. Now, when you look at game number five tonight. You look at Memphis, and they are the higher seed here. And we know they are a very good home team as well, too. Morant's still not completely healthy, but, man, he has shown some signs. I mean, watching him go down the lane, uh, attempting to dunk over anyone who gets in his way, including LeBron James, I'm very curious of what is going to happen with the Lakers because we really haven't seen the Lakers, even though they've they've won – uh, you know, three games in this series, we really haven't seen him put two solid performances together back to back. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the biggest thing that I want to see tonight is 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 how he plays. I mean, you know, the crowd's going to be amazing. They've been the best home team in the league this season, but that's why I listen. As much as I would like to see the Lakers win and move on, the clinching game, the clincher, is always the toughest game, and even more so when you have to go on the road. So, I mean, I have no expectation that they're going to find a way to beat uh, the Grizzlies in Memphis. That's that's why Game Six is so crucial. I mean, they they. If they don't win game six, like if they lose five, like I'm predicting, and then they lose uh, six, game seven in Memphis, that's that's going to be a tough one. I really think that they've won the one game that they were going to win away from home. Mm-hmm. Arash, what has it been, in your opinion, with this team? Because they've been heavily inconsistent, uh, especially Anthony Davis. I mean, you literally do not know what you're going to get. And that sounds pretty sad, but really this has kind of been it his entire career not just with the Lakers but prior to this as well too and when he was at Kentucky I mean it was you know pretty much okay sky's a limit for this guy but do you feel a little disappointed in watching Anthony Davis you know during his pro career especially his time with the Lakers to be honest, I'm just happy when he's healthy. I know that's a low bar. I will say, you know, when he, they won the championship in the bubble in Florida, that was the high watermark of his career so far. I mean, I, I really thought he was in contention to win most valuable player of the finals. He, he certainly was one of the, uh, you know, could have won it if they did it for the entire postseason. And so while some people want to diminish the championship that was won in the bubble, I certainly don't, you know, before the pandemic shut down the season, they were the number one seed in the West. They were number two overall in the league. So, um, but, you know, listen, you have to stay healthy. And as much as I wish he was more healthy, you kind of don't have to look far when you look for guys who are just never healthy. I mean, you know, the, the summer that Anthony Davis comes to the Lakers, Kawhi and Paul George, they go to the Clippers. And so we'll see how this postseason plays out. But at least Anthony Davis is healthy now. Mm. All right, let's leave you on this, uh, Arash. Uh, NHL playoffs, Edmonton defeats uh, the L.A. Kings last Last night, six to three. Kings now trail the series three games to two. Uh, give me some quick thoughts on on this series moving forward, and then throwing the Golden Knights against Winnipeg tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, you know, my my dream of having a Kings Golden Knights uh, second round series is not looking too good. I mean, it looked good for a moment there when the Kings took a three zero lead in the first period in Game Four. They blew that lost in overtime, and I just had a bad feeling going into Game 5. Certainly didn't think that they would lose 6-3. to three. Now they, they uh, play for their season. 
at home in Game 6. I do think that they do that, but I, I do think it's the same result as a year ago where um, Edmonton wins in Game 7. Uh, I, I, I really like this Golden Knights team, though. I'm, I'm having vibes from uh, 2017, <laughs> uh, you know, just always making the right play at the right time, a, a clutch group right here. So, um, unfortunately, I don't see the Kings advancing, but I do like the Golden Knights right now. All right. And if that is the case, I'm sure you'll be back and forth from L.A. to oh, Vegas yeah. for every game for that series. <laughs> That's right. That's it. Your your dual citizenship here. Your dual California Nevada <laughs> citizenship. That's right. By the way, it's the sports mecca, as you know. It's it's that 270 miles that connects us: Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Super Bowl, World Cup, Olympics, you name it. You got it, brother. All right, my man. We appreciate the time as always. Uh, keep up the great work, and look forward to talking with you more during the course of the NBA and the NHL playoffs. Thank you so much. Take care, brother. There he is. Arash Bakazi does a fantastic job. Uh, always has. I mean, his time uh, back when he was writing for the LA Times and, and ESPN and uh, and now uh, you know doing the radio thing, not only at uh, the Mightier 1090, but also uh, in, uh, Hawaii Radio uh, as well, too. But uh, yeah, definitely you know check out. Uh, he's the founder of the Sporting Tribune, so go online and check that out. All right. When we come back, we're going to Sacktown, baby, and we're going to talk to Gary Gerald, the legendary voice of the Sacramento Kings. We get ready to preview game five tonight. It is a monster game between the Kings and the Warriors. I do exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the Dr. Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane. I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. <laughs> Well, we know my hometown of Sacktown is revved up, fired up, and ready to go tonight for game number five, just like they were in game one and game two of this series against the Golden State Warriors. And uh, not a better person to talk about the Sacramento Kings and this series than the legendary voice. 38 years he has been doing this ever since the Kings relocated from Kansas City to Sacramento, uh, and personally one of my favorites as well, too. Uh, Gary Gerald joins us now. Gary, otherwise known as the G-Man. What's going on, my man? Well, just another beautiful day in Northern California and uh, waiting for some excitement to play out at Golden One Center. I hope you got the voice ready to go, Gary, because you know how crazy it's going to be. And I know that I was uh, sitting behind you there in, in game one, and I don't even know how you were able to broadcast. I was, was talking to Henry Turner after that game as well, too, and he goes, we couldn't even hear ourselves think because, I mean, where <laughs> your broadcast position was there, and which is kind of a little unusual, not being at courtside, up there, you know, with the crowd and with that reverberation and everything, I can only imagine, you know, you know how crazy that's been for you. Well, it's uh, it's part for the course. That's playoff basketball, and it's been, of course, as you know, such a long time in between playoff opportunities for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, it, it's interesting that a couple of different times during the course of those first two games at home, I just slipped the headset off just to to really get an idea of how loud and how sustained uh, the loudness has been. And it's it's terrific. It's just uh, it's a great atmosphere. And it's going to be rocking. There's no question about it tonight. This is a huge game. We're down to a best of three series now. Each team has held serve on the home court. A lot of storylines continue. Uh, it, but right now, probably the number one storyline is just how effective is De'Aaron Fox going to be uh, after learning 
said he sustained a, an avulsion fracture to his index finger and his shooting hand in the final minutes of uh, the last game, Sunday's game in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about De'Aaron Fox. Like you said, the broken left index finger, and that is his shooting hand. I know uh, he was ruled doubtful two days ago, and then I believe his quote yesterday was, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm playing. And I know saw a little video of him you know, tr- uh, attempting shooting some free throws, looked pretty good. But as we know, Gary, you, you know, free throws in practice is a whole different situation. You know, once you get into game time and everything, how effective do you think he can be tonight? Well, it's pure speculation on anybody's part. I mean, that's just we'll we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. Um, I know that you know it impacts the index finger is is virtually involved in anything you do in terms of passing the ball, trying to rebound, uh, shooting the basketball, and he spent a good deal of time over the last couple of days trying to adapt, you know, and get and get comfortable and get um, familiar with whatever kind of change he may have to make to his shooting technique. So that how does that translate? We can only speculate. But one thing I do know is that De'Aaron Fox has been, you know, just amazing in his contributions in the first four games, his first four playoff opportunities. And he has become, you know, it's like his coming out party. And a lot of people in other parts of the country have no idea just how good De'Aaron Fox is. But they're getting familiar with him now and the fact that you know he was a first-time all-star this year uh, in the four games he's averaged 31 and a half points and he's getting six weeks seven rebounds seven assists two and a half steals i mean the contribution has been off the charts mm-hmm. and if he is anywhere near his normal self that's all well and good for the kings if he's not then you wonder okay who's going to pick up the slack, particularly in the scoring column. And there's no doubt. I mean, he is the engine that goes for the Sacramento Kings. And you've seen him uh, for the last six years uh, since he's been there in Sacramento and the Kings drafted him out of Kentucky. But he has kind of been under the radar until maybe this season. Talk a little bit about uh, what you've noticed about De'Aaron Fox and his development since, you know, year one with the Kings to, you know, where his game is right now. Well, basically, in the first five years that he was with Sacramento, he went through a multitude of coaching changes. That never is helpful. And trying to get you know familiar with what each coaching system wants and expects of him. But it's all changed dramatically this year. And in large part, it's basically on Mike Brown, who's the new head coach of the Sacramento Kings. And from the very first day, that he made his appearance in Sacramento a couple of days after the Warriors won the championship in Boston. Uh, Mike comes in, and they have a, a public news conference, and it's open to a handful of the players who are there, people within the organization, as well as the assembled media. And I've, I've told this story multiple times, but it was really interesting because among those players who were there was uh, De'Aaron Fox. He's standing over against the wall to my far right, and Mike Brown, in the course of his introductory remarks to Sacramento was talking about how this organization, in his opinion, needs soul. Any successful organization, be it in sports or any other endeavor, has to have soul. And he says, and I'm not talking about soul among the players and the coaching staff, the medical staff. I'm talking about soul within every member of the organization, the people who sell the tickets, the concessionaires, the people who are, you know, uh, help folks find their seats, uh, one thing or another. Everybody has to pull on the same rope. Well, he talks about then defining roles, which is one of the key things that virtually every coach 
wants to and needs to do. And then he talked about accountability. Hmm. And in the course of the conversation, he said, you know, Foxy over here, uh, he and I go back to his high school days in Texas, and they were involved in a pair of couple of camps and clinics and one thing or another. And he says, I know De'Aaron Fox has explosive quickness, unlike anybody else in the NBA. But he says what he's going to learn to become is an NBA quality defender. And so basically in his first meeting publicly in Sacramento, Mike Brown is challenging De'Aaron Fox in front of the organization and the assembled media. And Fox has, you know, got a grin on his face over a leaning against the wall, kind of roll his eyes and like, okay, I, I hear you, coach. Well, very much to De'Aaron's credit, that's the biggest step I think he's taken in his now six-year career is that this year he has become an on-point defender. You don't see it all the time the way coaches might want to see it, but everybody says if the Kings are going to have success – they have to be better defensively. That's been an ongoing mantra all season long. And Fox is a tone setter when it comes to defense. And he's become much more than just a casual uh, defender. And I, I think, again, that that's where he's made his biggest stride this season. Yeah, great stuff from Gary Gerald. 38 years of voice of the Sacramento Kings. I want to get back to this series in a, a couple minutes, uh, Gary, but I want to talk about your career. Again, I've, 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 Followed it uh, ever since you know 1985 when the Kings you know moved from Kansas City and you got uh, the microphone there. Uh, did you ever envision that this would still be going on for you right now as we you know, are in 2023? No, no way. Uh, I had no idea really what to expect. Uh, I knew that I was extremely fortunate to have been singled out and, and to be given the responsibility of being the radio guy for the Sacramento Kings. And I was young and naive and dumb, as we frequently are in our youth. <clears throat> Excuse me. But as time evolved and I became more comfortable in the role and I learned more about the game and I learned more about developing relationships with members of the coaching staff, the organization, as well as the players and trying to create, you know, respectability, trying to create honest to goodness relationships of trust. Uh, it, it became more and more meaningful. Mm. Now, by the same token, the Kings were so bad in so many of those early years that it was really difficult, but I didn't know any better. And I certainly didn't have any any glimpse of the fact that it might be an ongoing thing at my age, uh, 38 years later. I'm blessed to have the opportunity, TC. I've said it many times. I, I have a passion for what I do. I really enjoy this game. And I joke about the fact that, you know, before the Kings went into that 16 seasons without making it to the playoffs, I used to be 6'4", and they kind of beat me down to where I'm about 5'8 now. <laughs> it's, uh, yes, I've seen some, some pretty grim nights. Yeah. But by the same token, you know, I've, tried to, I've always tried to be honest. I, if the Kings are stinking the joint up, I'm going to tell you that they're yeah. stinking the joint up. But I'm also going to try to find some ray of positivity. And, and I think that you, you try to find that balance over the years. And some may say... You've done a great job doing that, and others may say you failed miserably doing that. I know you can't please everyone, 
But again, I'm blessed to have this opportunity, and I certainly do enjoy it. Yeah, and I don't think anyone has ever called you a homer, uh, Gary, at all. And, and there are those type of announcers in our industry that, uh, that that do that. And again, but you do, you come from a national background. You were doing auto racing for all those years and continue to do so for many years. And I think you, you took it from a, a great perspective, and you knew what basketball meant to Sacramento. I mean, you've been there a long time, a native yourself and everything. So, no, I don't think anyone uh, uh, can do it better than you and, and, and has done it. So just you know, kudos to you for uh, continuing. Continuing to deliver a, a great product, and you know you've had you've mentioned those down times early on. We all remember that, you know, in Sacramento. But there's a lot of memorable moments as well, too. I mean, you've been through three arenas. Let's think about this. You've been through three arenas, some good teams, some bad teams, like you mentioned. But there are some pretty good teams, very good teams, great teams, almost. Heck, and uh, in, I know you have some great memories and i'd just like for you to share with our audience some of those heck uh you know one sticks out for me there's so many that stick out for me but you know go way back to like 1989 when the kings were moving into the the second rendition of of arco arena when greg lukenbill the owner is he's up on a uh on a rainy night there in sacramento up on the catwalk trying to play construction worker and 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 you know fix the the leak uh then again you've got so many great personalities just a couple things what stands out for you your time is announcer of the Kings? Well, certainly uh, the the eight consecutive years of being in the playoffs under Rick Adelman yeah. uh, is very, very high on the list. And coming so close to winning a, a Western Conference championship and chance to get into the NBA Finals, which in that particular season would have been against the then New Jersey Nets. And frankly, I don't think uh, the New Jersey Nets would have had a realistic chance against that edition of the Sacramento Kings. Uh, they ultimately, New Jersey ended up playing the Lakers, and the Lakers win the, the championship. <clears throat> but, you know, you come close. You never know when you're going to get another opportunity. Uh, but those eight years were, were remarkable. The atmosphere at the old Arco was uh, astounding. And, you know, it was the cowbells, it was the plywood floors in a building that was basically was built on the cheap. There's no no secret there. But people stomping their feet, the Arco Thunder, as we called it, uh, great, great times. But sometimes your memories are not keyed upon success. I, I think back to the very first year of the Kings in Sacramento. And <clears throat> right before Christmas, the Kings are ending a road trip in Milwaukee, and uh, they get spanked, and I don't remember if it was 56 or 58 points, but it, you know, it was just so dreadful, and that was my first eye-opening experience about how brutal nights can be in the NBA. Well, we come home from Milwaukee the next day, and that night is supposed to be, and was, the King's Christmas gathering at the old Wood Lake Inn in Sacramento, Yeah, and so we're there, and everybody's kind of, you know, still trying to shake off what had happened 24 hours earlier in Wisconsin. And Joe Axelson, who was the then general manager, just said, hey, you know, you've got to understand there will be nights like this, and you have to find a way to deal with it. And it was simple, uh, straightforward, you know, man-to-man type of talk, but I was still a kid and and i i remember that distinctly and so there were times we had a game against the golden state warriors uh right after the i think it was before the mitch richmond deal and billy owens trade and uh the warriors beat us by 62 and you just say how does this happen but so some of those things 
stick in your mind just as much as now the first year that Tyreek Evans was with the Kings. He was rookie and he was putting up great numbers. He became the first uh, in a very select group of of players to average twenty plus points, five plus boards, five plus assists, and uh, he helped spark a comeback in Chicago that saw the Kings down thirty five against the Bulls in the third quarter. Down 35 in the third quarter. And we came back and won that game. I'll never forget that. But then you also remember, all right, just a couple of years ago, we're down 17 with about 240-something left in regulation in Minnesota. Teams find a way to come back. Darren Fox deliberately misses a free throw and scores off the deliberate miss to tie the game and send it into overtime and the Kings get the win. So there are, there are nights like that that just jump out of nowhere. Very much like in the very early years, I mean, pardon me while I wander here, yeah. but I'm remembering in LA against the Lakers, the Kings are down 29 to nothing to start the game. I remember that. They, yes. ended up, yeah. they yeah. scored four points in the first quarter, yep. all four at the free throw line from Reggie Theus. Yes. They trailed after 12 minutes, 40, to four. <laughs> and that was the end of the road for Phil Johnson as the head coach of the Sacramento Kings. Right. I mean, it, it's just, there, there are a ton of memories mm-hmm. and uh, some of them are, are really special and really good. And some of them are kind of grim. Yeah. Gary Gerald, the G-man, a longtime voice of the Sacramento Kings. You mentioned the building there at Arco Arena. And now you got Golden One Center. The atmosphere in both of the buildings in this series, Gary, are really electric. And I'd like for you to, to kind of, you know, go back and compare. I mean, both are relatively new compared to their old ones. We're talking about the Chase Center in San Francisco and, of course, Golden One Center in Sacramento. What have you noticed as far as the vibe and actual true home court advantage with Arco Arena to Golden One Center? And then also from the Warriors side, coming in as a visitor and a visiting announcer from the Oakland Coliseum Arena to the Chase Center. Well, let's let's start with Sacramento. I would say that the the vibe from the old Arco playoff days to what we're experiencing now is very very similar, uh, because it's been such a long time coming seventeen years, sixteen seasons without being in the playoffs. Um, it has more immediate impact, I think. And you notice, I mean, the energy is electric when you first walk into the building. I thought it was interesting that uh, a week ago for game number one in the series, one of the NBA representatives, who who I don't happen to know, but our producer, uh, Deuce Mason, is acquainted with. And he told Deuce, he says, you know, in my years in the NBA, I have never seen people lined up waiting to get into the arena the way Kings fans were for game number one. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's really, that's pretty revealing and pretty telling coming from somebody with NBA experience who's, you know, seen it all around the league. So that gives you a hint of how excited and how starved for this opportunity Kings fans are. Then you look at the Warriors moving from Oakland to Chase Center the the building at Chase Center is is magnificent, as well it should be for what three billion dollars right, exactly. But a, a good part of that is because of its location. It's in the the Mission Bay area. It's a ten minute walk from Oracle Park, the home of the Giants. Uh, it's on the waterfront. It's it's just a, a gorgeous gorgeous setting. But then keep in mind that Warrior fans, I'm not saying they're jaded at all. 
they're appreciative. But have they been spoiled in the last eight years? I kind of think so. You win four championships over an eight-year span. That's astounding. And, you know, they built a dynasty. And that core group, when you talk about the Splash Brothers, when you talk about Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and then you add a Draymond Green, a Jordan Poole, a Kevon Looney, they're really, really good. But the Warrior fans, having been down virtually every playoff road and possibility that you can imagine over the last eight, nine years, uh, they come in and they're a little more reserved. They're excited, yes. And I think that the two wins in the first two games in Sacramento got their attention. And they thought, you know, hey, we 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 got to step up here. We got to step our game up, and and they have done that. And they protected the home court in terrific fashion in games three and four. So th- there are subtle differences, I think, between the fan bases. But I just look at it and say, how great is this? Because in 38 years of the Kings in Sacramento, never once have the Warriors and the Kings had winning records in the same season. Right. I mean, that just hasn't happened. So here they are now playing in the first round, and it has captured the imagination of Kings of uh, basketball fans, not Kings fans, but just NBA fans around the country. The numbers came out yesterday on the ratings for Game 4. You probably saw it. Uh, It averaged somewhere in the vicinity of 7.5 million viewers, and the peak viewership came at 10.4 million. That was the highest number for a first-round playoff series, any game, in 21 years in yeah. the NBA. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty remarkable what we're seeing, and it's very exciting, obviously, to say the least. Gary, does this series, or specifically heading into this game tonight, Game 5, remind you of any previous Kings playoff runs? Is it comparable to any that uh, you remember calling back in the day? Well, the the series with with the Lakers in 2002 right. was obviously probably the most memorable because yes. it went to a seventh game and it went to overtime in the seventh game before the Lakers ended up winning it. And, you know, with the combination of Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal and others, uh, that was that was amazing because game to game, I mean, you knew you were in going to be involved in a slugfest. Well, some of those memories fade a bit when you haven't been in the playoffs in 17 years and the excitement of getting back gets everybody hyped up. Uh, but I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm always, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I have anxiety before games. I don't get nervous before these games, but I have anxiety because you want your team that you're associated yeah. with to, to have success, to play well, to be competitive. I think that the Kings will be, competitive, even though we don't know what the limitations will be on De'Aaron Fox. So this is going to be a tremendous night of NBA basketball, and I'm just so happy that we get a chance to experience it, and we'll we'll see how it goes. We know that there's going to be a Game 6 on Friday night at Chase Center in San Francisco. The question becomes, will there be a need for a Game 7, which if there is a Game 7, will be better in Sacramento on Sunday. Well, it'll be fantastic tonight, and you'll be in the thick of it, and Gary Gerald will be on the Kings radio network with the call here tonight. And any anticipation, you got the anxiety, you got the anticipation. Again, there's a lot of unknowns here. But real quick, Gary, how do you think this game unfolds tonight? We don't know about Fox, but we know the Warriors, you know, they've won two in a row now. 
Uh, this Kings team is still a very young team. What's your inclination of, of what's going to transpire tonight? Well, you never, never underestimate the pedigree of a championship organization and ball club. And that core group is still so very effective for Steve Kerr and the Warriors. And I think that if, if I'm the Warriors, and probably the same can be said for Mike Brown and the Sacramento Kings, you want to come out and smack your opponent upside the head in the first four or five minutes of the ball game and set a tone. And then, of course, you wonder, okay, how is the officiating crew going to react? You get a different officiating crew for every game. Will they allow more physicality than we normally see in the regular season? So there, there are a ton of storylines. It's not only how effective Fox is going to be, uh, who's going to step up to fill a possible scoring void? Can Sabonis get to the free throw line? He's only averaged four and a half free throws in the four previous playoff games. Is Kevin Herter going to snap out of his slump? Uh, can Keegan Murray, the rookie, put together consecutive efficient high-scoring games after he broke through and scored 23 last Sunday? Uh, can the league monk Trey Lyles spark the bench scoring like they did in the first two games were played at home? So there are storylines everywhere you go. And I, you know, I think if I've learned anything over all these years, TC, is that don't be surprised if you see something you've never expected <laughs> or you've never seen before. And that is something else, a statement for a guy who's been doing this for 38 years. And you're right. And you've chronicled several of those moments uh, during this, uh, this conversation. Gary, appreciate the time. Uh, look forward, hopefully talking with you again. Good luck on the call tonight, my friend. I know it's going to be a wild one, uh, and enjoy every moment of it, my friend. That's it. I, I keep telling myself, uh, savor the moment, savor the opportunity. So, you know, just kind of sit back and watch it all unfold and try my best to, to try to describe what's going on in hopefully an informative and somewhat entertaining fashion. There you go. And say hello to my good friends, my longtime friends, Jason Ross and uh, Scott Marsh, uh, Henry Turner over there as well tonight uh, uh, at uh, the Golden One Center, who will be sitting probably right next to you. Will do, TC. Thanks. Take care. All right, there he is. Gary Gerald, longtime voice of the Sacramento Kings. All right, looking forward to game five tonight. It is going to be fantastic. No matter who you're rooting for, who you like, who you're rooting against, it's going to be off the hook. No doubt about it. All right, we come back next hour. We'll talk some more NBA playoffs. Paul Gutierrez is going to join us as we get ready for the NFL draft. What are the Raiders going to do with seven? We'll talk quarterbacks, talk a whole lot more. Don't you dare go anywhere on this wild Wednesday.